You don't need to raise your hand and don't, because maybe that would make it awkward for people, but who had some stuff in 2021 that uh, you didn't like? Probably most of us, right, had something at least that you were like, ah, it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to go, that my plan didn't really work out this way, maybe that relationship didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to, all sorts of different things probably happened in 2021. And who looks at 2022 and hopes, maybe believes, but hopes it will be better? Who looks at 20? Again, don't raise your hand. I don't want to make it awkward for anybody. Uh, but who hopes that 2022 will be better, right? Probably all of us. We hope 2022 will be a better year. And some of you probably are really into resolutions and making plans, and some probably think that's stupid and, and that's okay. Whatever, wherever you kind of are, we, we hope that 2022 is a better year. Hope that 22, there's some progress. We hope that it is not the same as 2021 or worse than 2021. We want things to get better. And all of us have things in our life that we dislike. That might be things about ourselves. That might be things about uh, the people around us. That might be things about the world. That, that might be all sorts of things. There's a, I think it's an old George Strait song that's, I hate everything. Sometimes I just sing that song, and that's how I feel. Just like, I hate everything. Um, and he goes on, but you know, anyway, I won't, I won't sing it. I sing too much, I think. Um, but he, he sings all these things that he, that he hates, and I think sometimes we feel like that. Or even if you don't feel like that, there's just things that we want to get better. What are the areas in your life that you hope in 2022 or just in general will be better, where you want to see things be different? It might be kind of things in your personal world that you say, I want my job to be better. I want my work-life balance or stress that I experience in life. I want that to be better. It might be your relationships. You say, I want my marriage to be better. I want my parents to be better. I want my kids to be better. I want my family life and family drama. I want that to get better. I hope that kind of relationships get better with friends or maybe it's that you want, uh, you're single and you want a spouse and you hope that uh, gets better. There's all sorts of things that we can hope will get better. Maybe, maybe it's not just kind of personally, uh, but it, we just look at the world. You look at the world and you see problems in the world. You see our country divided politically. You see issues of injustice. You see things around the world, maybe in other parts of the world, and, and you want and hope that things will get better. Again, for 2022, but just in general, we look around and want things to get better. And, and normally, I think we believe things will get better. Normally, we believe this year will be better than last year. Probably, you didn't enter into 2022 thinking, I guarantee this year is going to be worse than the year before. Probably didn't think that. Normally, we operate with some kind of belief that things are going to get better. If you're sick, you believe, okay, I think this is going to get better. You don't believe it's probably the beginning of the end. If your, your income is not quite what you want it to be, you hope once you get this figured out, and once you get this figured out, and then it'll get a little bit better. You hope that if you're putting money away from retirement that you don't check that account one day and go, oh, it's all gone. You hope that it gradually kind of increases and things get better. We, we generally operate with the belief that things will get better that there's a better future. It's something we want, but it's also kind of a belief that we have, that things will, at some rate of increase, generally progress and generally move towards being 
a little bit better. And it's a powerful desire that we have. It's a powerful desire for things to get better, for our life to get better, for the world to get better. And we need this desire. It's really hard to live life without this desire, but it's also a desire and a belief that can actually hurt us. A belief that things will get better, a belief that things are going to get better is a belief that can also, even though we need it, it's a belief that can hurt us as well. And so we need to have a right belief of how things get better in order to actually navigate through life. This series that we're in, we're going to be talking about several different desires or beliefs or longings that we have and how many times uh, those are good desires that we have, but we find that they don't quite work out the way that we want them to work out, and yet they're desires that we need to experience fulfilled in some way, and there is a way that Christianity, that faith offers the resources to fulfill that in an even better way. And so wherever you are, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe you're just kind of checking out faith and exploring, there's desires that we have that we often don't quite see fulfilled. And yet within the Christian faith, we can experience them even better. And today we're looking at this desire that things will get better. And so I want to start with just this question, which is why do we need to believe that things will get better? Because we do need to believe this. We need this belief. If you don't have this belief, it can, it can be very damaging in your life. And I, I want to show you just a scene from uh, the book of Job, which is a book in the Bible, if you are unfamiliar with it. It's a book about one man's life that, that goes really bad. And it's a really long book, and there's all sorts of things in there. But his, his, everything basically beautiful and wonderful in his life gets taken away. It all goes away, and it all is it's stripped from him. And so it's a, you're, you're really looking at this book of him processing the grief and talking to God and his friends talking to him of having everything stripped away that was beautiful and good in his life. And I, I want to just show you kind of his mindset for a snapshot so you can see what happens if we don't have this belief that things will get better and what it's like. Here's, here's what he says as he's processing. He says, my days have slipped by. My plans have been ruined, even the things dear to my heart. Think about that. That idea of your plans being ruined is you thought things were going to get better. You thought things were moving this way, but it's been ruined now. And he's in that place. They turned night into day and made light seem near in the face of darkness. If I await Sheol, that's a word for basically the grave or death. If I await Sheol as my home, spread out my bed in darkness and say to corruption, you are my father and to the maggot, you, my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? That's that place of believing it doesn't get better. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you said to the maggot, you are my mother. But that's what it feels like when you feel like things won't get better. Things are not going to get any better than they are now. Imagine whatever situation in your life is right now. Again, whether that's personal or work or financial or whatever it is. And you, you are hoping that it gets better. But imagine if it didn't. And imagine if you believed this is going to get worse and worse and worse. Imagine what happens. Imagine how your days feel. 
Imagine what it's like to enter back into that same situation. If you're in a relationship, then you hope it gets better, but now you know it will never get better. Imagine the slog that it is every day. Your job and your finances, knowing it doesn't get better. What, what ends up happening is we stop trying. I've had many conversations with people who do feel hopeless in their life, and there's a sadness there's a grief. There's often just an escape from reality then. Hours and hours and hours on video games or on TV or numbing with substances to say, this life isn't getting any better, and so I don't even want to be a part of it anymore. There's dark places that that can lead to. For those of you maybe that are more artistic, I, I, was just, I put into Google, without hope, and actually this painting came up, famous artist named Frida, and it's disgusting. But this is what it can feel like without hope. She was a woman that was bedridden, and so it's this picture, that this is kind of what it can feel like. If, things, if you believe, things won't get better. Things are without hope. She's in a bed with a funnel going into her mouth with all sorts of dead things just going inside of her. That's pretty gross, right? That's what it can feel like. And maybe for those of you that are more artistic, you connect with that even more so than just words and descriptions. If you don't believe that things are getting better, it feels like that. It's hard to endure. It's hard to keep going. It's hard to have joy. But on, at the converse of that, imagine what it's like to know things are going to get better. When we believe things are going to get better, we can, we can last through all sorts of actually really hard things. Many of us have been in difficult situations. We've been in hard situations before, but if you knew this is going to end, this is short term, then you're able to keep going through it. Like, I hate the dentist. Not like a particular dentist. I hate all dentists. I hate all dentists. It's an evil profession. And every time I go... I, the only thing that gets me through is knowing, okay, this is, not, this is not going to keep going. If I thought I was going to be in that chair for a long, for just forever, I don't know what I would do. But I love it when the dentist is actually like, okay, just kind of one more tooth, or okay, we're just, I love when they give me the kind of progress updates of, all right, we're just about done here, just have to do this, because it's helping me know this is leading somewhere, and this is almost done, and I'm going to get through this, and it's going to get better. Now, that might be a silly example. It's just the dentist. But there's all sorts of things in life where if we know, it's okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost done. A lot of times, uh, for those of you ladies that have been pregnant or are pregnant, when you're in that final trimester, and, it's, and you're maybe even in that final month, you're like, okay, almost there. But if you had to feel that, that final month, for the next nine more months, you would be like, I don't, this is not good. I want a refund. But you're, that you're, when you know it's just about done, things are going to get better, you can make it through something. Uh, for, if you're into, I, I like watching kind of Walking Dead and some of those dystopian kind of things, Hunger Games, whatever sort of uh, apocalyptic movies or shows. If, if you like any of those things, the thing that keeps the characters going in those shows is a belief Things are awful. The world's falling apart. But they have some belief that things are going to get better. They have some belief that 
they're going to be able to find a cure or they're going to be able to set up a new home or something. They're going to be able to conquer the evil people or whatever it is. They've got some belief that keeps them going. And the, uh, when they remade, not remade, when they did the kind of new uh, crop of Star Wars movies, Rogue One, uh, for those of you that are Star Wars fans, um, there, it was um, kind of the, the prequel to the original Star Wars movie. And I won't obviously go into all the stuff, but there was just a line in it where the good guys are, you know, severely over, uh, you know, out- outnumbered, and the-, the bad guys are taking everything over, and they're building the Death Star to destroy planets and all this stuff. But the main character says a line, and they say, what do we have? We have nothing. And she says, we have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. And that kind of idea means, yes, it's awful. There's a device that can destroy a planet. But we have hope, and so we can make it. We can keep going. We can keep fighting. We can keep doing something. We need a belief that things will get better because a belief in what happens in the future controls our actions and our emotions in the present. A belief of what's going to happen in the future controls your actions and controls your emotions in the present. So we need a belief that things will get better. We need a belief in progress. We need a belief that things are leading somewhere. It's crucial for us if we're going to have joy, if we're going to have endurance, and if we're going to be able to have confidence that we should and can keep moving forward. So it's an important belief. It's an important desire that you and I have. We believe it. We want it to be true. But it can also harm us. It can actually also be a really dangerous thing to believe. It can also be a really dangerous and hurtful thing to grasp onto. Things will get better. Let me show you why this is the case. Because when things are hard, when things are hard in your life, and I don't know, I'm sure you've got some things in your life that are hard right now. When things are hard, we want to believe it's going to work out, right? That's what we want to believe. Whatever's hard relationally, whatever's hard financially, whatever's hard uh, with your living situation, whatever, whatever's hard, you want to believe things are going to get better. But the reality is, that's not always the case. The reality is, things might get worse. And I know you're not supposed to say that at church. If you were listening to Christian radio on the way over here and it says positive, encouraging Christian radio, you're like, I only want to hear positive and encouraging things, right? But the reality is, things might get worse. Some of you have felt that. Some of you have seen that in your life. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to, my goal isn't to discourage you, but my goal is to be honest with you. My goal is to be a pastor and actually tell you what reality is and what God's word says to us. Things might get worse. We live in a fallen, broken world. The Bible says that God created the world and he made it good and he made it beautiful and then sin entered into the world and things broke. And in Romans, Paul talks about that the creation itself and us, but that creation itself is groaning as in the pains of childbirth because it's broken. The world is broken. Things might get worse. Your financial situation might get worse. The person that you love might die. Divorce might happen. Sickness might happen. 
a break of relationship might happen. Things sometimes do get worse. I'm going to give you a few Bible examples because sometimes even as Christians, we can think that the Bible says so things are just going to get better and better and my life is going to get better and God promises me health and prosperity and wealth and that's not true. Paul, who was, um, wrote several books of the New Testament, was a great pastor and missionary, started many churches. I mean, you could say if there's a faithful Christian person that's not Jesus, but that is, okay, this is the example of a good, faithful Christian person, we would look at the life of Paul and say, that's a great person. And his last letter that he wrote in the Bible is called 2 Timothy. He's writing to another pastor named Timothy. This is the, the end of Paul's life. So after many, many years of faithful Christian ministry and life, after many, many years of faithfulness with many, many, many people, at the end of his life, he's in a cold, dark prison cell, and he says this, you know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Figulus and Hermogenes, just for all time for history to record and call out these two. I love that. <laughs> Since then, no one has ever been named Figulus and Hermogenes, right? Oh, who are you named after? Oh, there's these people that deserted Paul, right? <clears throat> this is the end of his life. When you would think, after many, many, many years of faithfulness, you would hope to say, and all my friends were there for me, and all the people I invested in were there to support me and care for me. And he says, hey, you've had some people probably leave you before, right? Oh, guess what? I had all of Asia leave me. I had a continent leave me. Oh, you had someone leave you? I had a continent leave me. Everyone in Asia deserted me. That's the end of his life. That's the reward for faithfulness. Other places in the Bible, Jesus says this, very simple, but he says in John 16, 33, you will have suffering in this world. If you needed it more point blank than that, there it is. You will have suffering in this world. Things might get worse. John 15, Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would have you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. It means if you're a Christian, that your values are always going to be in some ways different from the world around you, and the world will hate you. So you're promised suffering, you're promised hate, we're off to a good start. <clears throat> I've been applying for a spot on Christian radio, we'll see if I can get it. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, we'll add that one to the list. Persecution. Acts 14.22, Paul says, It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Not just one, not just a couple. It's necessary to experience, to enter into many hardships, difficulties, to enter into the kingdom of God. See, it's harmful to believe that things will get better because sometimes they won't. And we, we sometimes like to talk about, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, it's, it's a good thing, sometimes we like to talk about claiming God's promises in our life. That when things are difficult, I'm going to claim God's promises for my life. And you want to claim those ones? What promises is it that you want to claim? I'm claiming that there will be suffering in this world and I'll be hated and persecuted and many hardships. And those are the promises a lot of times that no one has quotes of. I've never walked into someone's house with nice cursive writing on a plaque from Hobby Lobby or something, and it said, you will have suffering in this world, and everyone deserted me, right? There's not a market for that, but it's the truth. 
It's, it's, it's harmful to believe that everything will get better because it's actually a contradiction to what the Bible tells us over and over and over and over again, is that there will be suffering. Things might get better. I'm not saying that things won't get better necessarily for your situation. I hope they do. I'm not, by the way, I'm not like saying I hope they don't get better. I'm not on the side of things not getting better. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Things might get worse. You've seen this in your life. Now, the longer you live, the more times that you've prayed and asked God to change things and asked God to work in things and asked God to work in people and change people and asked God to do a miracle. Man, I've, I've prayed so many prayers like this in my life. And things got worse. And it's harmful to have this belief because also, along with this, you know, maybe we don't like to think about it a lot, so that's my job to bring it to your attention, but maybe we don't like to think about this a lot, that things can get worse. But when it does, what sometimes do we do? What sometimes do we think? We think, well, it's okay, because even though this bad thing happened, look at this good that came out of it, right? That's kind of the thing that we like to do. Like, all right, things might get worse, but look at this good now that is there. Things might get worse, but every cloud has a silver lining, which also, by the way, every silver lining has a cloud, so that's another way to think about it. But you can say, um, okay, this is bad, but look at this good thing that God did from it, right? That's kind of the I don't want to say trick, but it's kind of the, the thing that we do in our minds to justify what happened, right? Say, this is bad, but look at this good that gets brought out of it. Now, the problem with that is that that's not always the case. The problem with that is that's not always the case. Um, I don't know if you know who Elizabeth Elliot is. Elizabeth Elliot is a famous missionary in the 40s and 50s. Her husband, Jim Elliot. Uh, was, it was actually, I didn't even know this, um, this is a biography that I'm, I'm currently reading, it's excellent, uh, but Jim Elliot, the anniversary of this was yesterday, for those of you that don't know this story, uh, it happened a long time ago, but five missionaries were uh, going to a tribe, the Wadani in South America near Ecuador, and they were speared to death, and then Elizabeth Elliot, and, uh, her husband was one of the people that died, and then she ended up, her and her family and some of the other uh, people, family members of the people that died actually went into the jungle and lived among that tribe, and many of them came to know Jesus. That's great. So that's a situation that you would look at and say, something bad happened, uh, but look, God brought about this good. But earlier in her life, something that always perplexed Elizabeth Elliot, and in this biography, they talk about this story, uh, before she went with Jim, uh, before she was actually married, she was still in South America, and she was working uh, among another tribe to have uh, the Bible, the New Testament, translated in their language. That was a lot of the work. She was a linguist. That was kind of her training, was trying to get the Bible into people's languages. And there's still many people in the world that do not have the Bible in their language. And she was working to get the Bible translated in this particular language, prayed, 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 because it's very difficult, hard tribal languages that there's not a lot of kind of commonality with. And there was one person that really was able to do it. She, and God brought this person. She was able to work with them. It was amazing. And then that person randomly got shot in the head by just some random muggers. And 
in the biography, it says this. This is the person that got shot. Macario had been God's answer to prayer, the key to all of the language work, probably the only human on the whole planet who spoke both Colorado, that's not our Colorado, and Spanish with equal ease. Did God not care about the salvation and discipleship of this jungle tribe? So God brings along this person, this answer to prayer, and then they're killed. Why would God allow that to happen? Now, essentially, this work is going to be completely wasted. Now, after months and months and months of pulling together the work that this man had done, doing all sorts of other laborious things, she was able to get close to having some of it, uh, at least a foundation of the New Testament laid that someone else could build upon. And then someone robbed uh, their, I can't remember, train or whatever it was, and all of the material, because this is all, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, there's no uh, digital copies. The only copies completely gone, vanished. All her work that she did after this man died. And this is from her journal. My, this was my first experience of having to bow down before that which I could not possibly explain. Usually we need not bow. We can simply ignore the unexplainable because we have other things to occupy our minds. We sweep it under the rug. We evade the questions. Faith's most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith vain. If God were God, if he were omnipotent, if he had cared, would this have happened? She is left, and this was always a powerful moment for her. She called it one of her first deaths. She was left with no resolvable answer. There wasn't anything that, okay, but this happened, but it led to this good. It was something awful happened, and it seems like, why would God ever let this happen? Both the death and things that took place, but also, I'm trying to do this good thing that leads to the New Testament being created for this people, and now it's just gone. Work, gone. People, gone. She never had an answer to it. She never could point and say it led to this good thing. See, the belief that things are always going to get better can be harmful to us because, number one, sometimes they don't. They get worse. But also, number two, because we can't always find that silver lining. We can't always, and listen, if you've ever had someone try to do this for you, you have seen how annoying that can be. When someone tries to say, yeah, I know that this happened, but look at this good. And you say, yeah, and look at this good. Shut up. That's the good. The good is now I know I don't like you. That's the good that came out of this. Because it can feel very trite. It can feel very, um, it can feel very un insensitive. And a lot of times it tries to equal out the pain that we experience with some other good thing. Now, I'm not saying that God never brings about a good thing through a bad thing. Yes, he does. But the point is, we don't always see that. We don't always know that. We don't always experience that. And so, if we hold on to the belief that things are always going to get better, it can be very harmful. And if you think that the Bible teaches this, it can be even more harmful. If you think that the Bible says God is going to let everything work out, God is going to let this thing always go the way that I hope and want and pray it will go, then what ends up happening is you don't just experience pain, you feel like God has betrayed you. You feel like God has let you down. You feel like, God, I prayed, don't you care? 
You feel like God has not kept up his end of the deal. Maybe you even feel like, I, I was doing the right things, like Elizabeth Elliot. I was obedient. I was following you. I was, I was praying. I was speaking. I was bold. I, whatever it is, I, I tried to forgive. I, tr- I, I tried to do all the right things, and this is how you repay me? We can feel betrayed by God. We can feel like God isn't keeping up his end of the bargain. My end of the bargain is live a good life and do the things that God says. God's end of the bargain is give me a good life, bless me, love me, take care of me. That's not always how it works out. And so we can feel betrayed by God. We can feel hurt and let down by God, which is part of why I believe Peter says this. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal or trial comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Just talking about trials, Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Because if if you're surprised, that means you don't expect things to go badly. You expect that the usual course of action is for things to go well, especially, again, if you're a Christian. You expect things are going to go awesome for me. But the man who was crucified upside down says, don't be surprised when trials come. The man who was crucified upside down, that's Peter, says, it's not unusual when bad things happen to you. See, it's a belief that can harm us because if we end up thinking everything is going to get better, it's not just that we're surprised, but we also feel like God is letting us down He's betraying us. He's not keeping up his end of the bargain. So sometimes what we do with that then is we just, um, we get really cynical and then think everything's gonna go bad and we don't wanna hope in anything and don't wanna believe anything because we've been hurt too many times and we've been disappointed too many times and we then don't even wanna talk to God. We don't even wanna pray for things anymore. And we develop a cynicism and it ends up hurting us even more then. And our relationship with God can get cold. And maybe you have felt this where you've stopped even talking to God, stopped even engaging with God because you have felt he's let you down too many times. But it's because there's a belief operating that what he's supposed to do is to continue to make things get better and better. It's a dangerous belief. It's a belief that we need. It's a belief we need in some ways, like in Star Wars, to believe rebellions are built on hope. We, we need it in some ways. But it can also harm us. It can also be dangerous to our spiritual health. We want it. We want to believe it. But I know, probably, if you, and the longer you live, the more you have felt, things don't always get better and better. So how can we rightly believe that things will get better? Is this a desire we should just totally abandon? Is it a desire we should just say, okay, things are not getting better. That's what the pastor said. Things are getting worse. I'm prepared for Monday, right? Is that, we should just kind of live like that. And then anything that happens, you go, I knew it. I knew it. And just kind of live like that. Uh, Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Probably not. It's a belief we still need to maintain. And there is a way to have a belief that things will get better in a different kind of way in a better kind of way. And Christianity gives us resources. Our faith, the word, gives us resources that actually allow us to maintain this belief but in a way in a way that isn't shallow and in a way that isn't fragile. If much of our life is unsure, 
If much of our life is unsure, we don't know what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. If much of our life is unsure, but we still need the belief in progress and in things getting better, how do we anchor in it? What, is, what does God give to us that helps us with this? And I want to give you three, three truths that the Bible gives to us of how things will get better that can help us. The first is this. You will get better. You will get better. And much of our desire is actually around this. If you think about life getting better, and if you think about what is that? When you want things to get better, what is it that you envision, okay, I want this to get better? There can be, again, all sorts of things, but a lot of it is we want ourselves to get better. We want to be more patient. We want to be more loving. We want to be more hardworking. We want to be more disciplined. We want to, we want to be uh, maybe even just kind of health-wise. We want to be healthier. We want to be better. We want to be more gentle. We want to uh, be more committed or more, I mean, all sorts of different things that when you think about, okay, I hope 2022 is better, a lot of it kind of revolves around ourself getting better. We have a lot of desire here. If you think about what even hurts you in your life, a lot of times it's that we are not better. And we're told this in the Bible. Second Corinthians says, we all, with unveiled faces, means our faces being no longer covered, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed, made better, into the same image, the image of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there's a lot in here that we could look at, but what it's saying is this. Right now, and over time, and one day it will, it will culminate when we see Jesus face to face. But right now, God is working. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in your life to transform you. To make you, he says elsewhere, from one degree to the next. He is working to, the, the Bible word for this is sanctification. That he is sanctifying you. That he is changing you. That he is transforming you. That as we look at the glory of God, that as you get to know God more, as you get to see who he is more, that's part of why this is so important. That as you get to see God more, as you behold him more, as you get to know his character and his will and who he is and what he's done, as you look at him, you are being changed. You are being transformed into his image, into being more and more like him. That the more that you look at him and see who he is, you are being transformed from glory to glory, from one degree to the next. This is happening in other places in the Bible. It says that one day we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We will fully be made like him because we will see him as he is. So this is something that is promised. This is happening. Listen, there's probably things about you that frustrate you about you, right? There's things you don't like about yourself. And I'm not just talking about kind of a low self-esteem. I'm, I'm talking about you look at real things in your life and you say, ah, I wish I didn't think like that. I wish I didn't say that. I wish I wasn't so impatient. I wish I wasn't like this. I wish I wouldn't, didn't respond like that. I wish I could get over things. I wish I wasn't so anxious. I wish I was, um, I, I wish that this was more how I was. And what's true is that God is going to change you. You 
will get better. The things that grieve you about yourself, God is going to change that. You will not be. this. Listen, who you are right now is not who, are, who you are going to be forever. And that's if you're a Christian, that's true on this earth. On this earth, God is actively working to transform you and change you. Listen, it's slower than you want it to be. It's, I can promise you it's slower than the person next to you wants it to be. But it's, it's slower than you want it to be, right? You are changing. God is working. God is transforming you. It's slow. But he's doing it. And one day, one day, you will be totally changed. None of the anxieties that you have now, none of the sins that you have now, none of the guilt that you have now, none of the shame that you have now, none of the comparison that you have now, none of the fear that you have now, none of the impatience, none of the stuff that hurts your relationships that you have now, none of those bad thoughts that keep coming into your mind that you have right now. None of those old impulses that you go, ah, where'd that come from? None of, it, it will be gone. That is your future. That is your destiny. That is where he is taking you. That is what God is doing. That is a promise that you can take to the bank. That is something that you can look at and say, I will get better. It's slow, but from one degree of glory to the next, I'm getting there. Things will get better because you will get better because he says he is hanging on to you and this is from the Lord who is the spirit. He is transforming you. He is changing you. He is doing that work in you. And I know, again, that you wish it was gone tomorrow. But he's at work and your future holds a different you, a glorified you. So that's the first thing that we see, that we can, that we can trust in, that we can hold on to when we have a belief and a desire and a hope that things will get better. And the second thing is not just that you will get better, but that eventually everything will get better, that the world itself will be healed and get better. Because we look, and we have, and we see pain. You see pain around us, right? Many of you have had people that you love that have died. You've seen relationships that have been broken. Many of us have been sick, even recently. And there's things in our world where there's injustices, and there's things in our world that we see and we go, that's not how it should be. That's not the way things should work. Whether that's injustice to you that you have experienced or that you just look at. Family drama. I know I'm the only one that has any of that. But family drama, come on. Who doesn't want that to be done with? And we go, man, I, I hope, I want that that will be done one day. And it will. I can't tell you that it will be tomorrow. I can't tell you that it will be next year. I can't tell you that it will be in your life. But the Bible does say that one day everything will get better. That there's a day coming when he will make all things new. It says this in Revelation, the final book of the Bible. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Whatever, whatever sorrow that you experience, whatever pain that you have felt, 
he will wipe it away. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Whatever has caused you a tear, whatever has caused you to weep, death will be no more. Death is the ultimate, the ultimate laugh in the face to things will get better. Because we're all going to die. But one day, death will be no more. Grief, crime, and pain will be no more. No more. You feel pain? One day, no more. You feel grief? Relationally? Financially? Just looking at the world? One day, no more. You won't feel that emotion anymore. That will be an emotion that is gone. Because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated, this is Jesus, on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Yeah, amen. That is the beautiful promise of one. See, this is things getting better, right? But this is, this is not yet. This is coming. This is promised. The longing, the desire we have for things getting better, it is going to happen. This is what we want right now, though, right? You want no more pain, no more grief, no more crying. Me too. But he says, this is coming, but it's, it's not yet. And sometimes we get glimmers of that. Sometimes we get glimpses of that. Sometimes God shows up and answers a prayer that we want to happen. Yes, praise God, I hope that happens for every situation that you're feeling any of this right now. But I can't promise you that it will. But Jesus promises that it will happen one day. I am making everything new. Everything. It will all be made new one day. That is the truth. And I know that it's so hard because we live so much in the moment. But faith is living by the things that are unseen. It's living, it's living saying, I trust that this is the future. Listen, we, all, we do this already, right? We say, I know things are going to get better here, so I can keep going right now. Well, this is just extending the timeline. But hope or belief that things are getting better that belief, that knowledge of what is going to happen in the future does have the power to change us emotionally and in our actions in the present. He says, this is what's going to happen. This is the future. That there's no more pain, no more personal pain, no more family drama, even new bodies. And that We're all going to look like the rock. I mean, even you ladies, we're all going to look like the rock. It's going to be amazing. <clears throat> One day, New bodies, no more arthritis, no more, no more whatever else you struggle with, no more coughs, no more chronic pain, no more eye twitches, no more back pain, neck pain, I don't, I don't, whatever other pain you've got. One day, no more dentists, praise the Lord. And one day, <clears throat> this is where it's going. And not because it will all work out. But because, again, he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make all things new. Not just in a belief that, yeah, eventually things will work out, but because of a promise that he says he will take it upon himself to change things, to make it this way. And then finally, we can rightly believe things will get better by understanding that no matter what happens today and right now, that even if we don't understand it, even if we don't see it, even if we don't get it, that he is, and I'm not saying you have to see it all. That's not, again, back to Elizabeth Elliot, you don't have to. 
But the truth is, everything right now is contributing towards that end. That everything in your life right now is working towards him creating a better future for you and for the world. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. It's a famous verse. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That if God has called you into his family, that if you belong to him, that if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you have been saved by him and you are now in his family and therefore you love him, that every single thing in your life, and again, I'm not saying you have to understand it all or see it all or know it all, but that's why this is helpful is because even when you don't, you can say, I know. doesn't mean I feel, but I know that all things are working. There is an intention. There is a meaning. There is, this isn't wasted. That every single thing in your life is being used to work for good that they're not just pain, they're not just tragedies, they are tools that God is using in your life. He is using them in your life. And, and maybe it's to bring about some good that you can see and point to and go, ah, oh, look, this bad, but maybe it's just to shape you to know him more and love him more and need him more. Maybe it's to sanctify your character. Maybe you'll never know what it is. And, and one day when you're 2,000 years old, having a beer with Moses, you'll say, ah, that's what that was for. You don't think about having a beer with Moses? No. <clears throat> All right, well, I'm a pastor, so what else am I going to do with my time? <clears throat> I only work one day a week, so. Um, <laughs> um, we know that everything is working. God is doing things. Everything in your life. That's an encouraging truth. Even if you don't see all the reasons, you can say, I know, God, you're working. I think well, there's a song that we sing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. I can't remember what song it is, but we sing that song. And that, that's, that's the truth. We, God, you are working. See, this is how we can rightly believe that things will get better. We can know I'm going to get better. We can know that everything is going to get better one day. And we can know that right now he is, this, this is moving somewhere. Even if I can't see the, the progression, even if I can't see the steps, this, we are actually moving to things getting better because the master is working things and using things for my good. That's the truth. And when we have this belief, that desire that you and I have for things to get better, for, things, uh, for, for there to be a better future, that, that desire that, that we have is actually fulfilled even, even better than just things working out tomorrow. These are things that are unshakable. These are things that are guaranteed. Listen, what's so beautiful about all this is it's, it's not dependent on us. See, so many of our hopes for things getting better are dependent on us. Well, I have what it takes to make things get better. Or they're dependent on other people. Or they're dependent on just factors happening. Will this change? Will my company's policy change? Will... But these things are guaranteed. They're not based on us. They're based on him. All three of these things are things he says, I am transforming you. I will make all things new. I am working all things together for your good. It has nothing to do with you. And so you can bank on those promises because they're things that we're saying, I know this will happen. It's not, it's not a wish. 
It's a confident assurance that based on who he is and what he's able to do and what his character is and what his wisdom is, that will make things better. That's what we can bank on. We all want progress. We all want to believe that things will get better. We need it to endure in life, to have confidence in life, to have joy in life. You may have this belief or you may feel disappointed when you don't see it work out. I don't know how you come in. You may come into 2022 ready to go in a belief that everything's going to be better. You may come in just kind of tender and wounded, hoping things will get better because of how rough the previous year or, or several years has been. How can we live with a confidence and a peace and an endurance that comes from a hope and a belief that things will get better? Only with this. And when we take communion, what we're remembering, we're remembering, and if, if you haven't been here before, there's little communion cups on the way in. You can grab one of those. But communion is a way that Christians remember that even when things looked like they were leading to the worst, even when things looked like this is as bad as it gets, things aren't getting better, things aren't getting better, things aren't, even when it led to the death of God, which is what we remember, Jesus' body broken, his blood shed. The worst that could ever happen, happened. And then resurrection. Because even when things lead to death, God brings life. And even when in our life, things look awful, there's always a future resurrection. Maybe that we get to experience glimmers of here, but one day in the future, if you belong to him. Because on the cross, Jesus dealt with the worst that there is. He took your sin. He took my sin. He died the death that we should die to make it so that the end is always better. The end is always forgiveness. The end is always life with him. The end is always entrance into his family. The end is always total sanctification and glorification in a renewed world. That's always the end because of Jesus living a life that didn't get better, that got worse and worse and worse. And then through that, a victory, resurrection. So what I want to encourage you to do is as we take communion and pray, just whatever's going on in your life that, that you need to bring to God where you hope things will get better, listen, ask him. Ask him to make things better now. I'm not saying don't pray those things. Pray those things. Ask God. Open your heart and say, God, would you make me better? Would you make this better? Would you make this situation better? Bring those things to him, but also ask him to reassure and remind your heart of the truth that we know and to live with a confidence and to live with a joy that comes from knowing those things, of what he will do and what he is doing, even when we don't see. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you, that you assure us with your promises, that you tell us what you will do in us and around us and for us, thank you that we can trust in you. I pray that even now as we take communion and sing, that you would allow us to have a greater confidence in who you are, a greater trust in what you will do. In your name, Jesus. Amen.